0: My Last Name with Robert Slagle is a podcast about leadership and entrepreneurship.
1: Everyone in business has problems. It's how you handle and address those problems that makes a difference. Bottom line is do the right thing. Do the right thing and all you do all the time. My philosophy is it doesn't matter what you do, it's how well you do it. The most valuable thing my dad ever gave me was his last name. It didn't cost anything. It didn't cost me anything, but it's the most valuable thing that I have. Hi, I'm Rob Slagle. Welcome back to another episode of My Last Name. This is a series of podcasts that we're doing on people from Appalachia, Huntington, West Virginia, Ironton, Ohio, Ashley, Kentucky, the entire Appalachian region that uh, have made an impact On the world and they're homegrown they're from our area and my guest today is a not just a not just a successful person in his own right but also a very good friend of mine um Patrick Farrell welcome Patrick. Hey Rob. Patrick and I became friends uh I believe Patrick, you were living in Fairmont, West Virginia, weren't you? I was working in Fairmont, living in Bridgeport. Okay, we're, we're living in Bridgeport, and we were working on a project for the Middle East. I believe you were for SAIc. Is that right? Was that is that is a government contract? It was one of the defense contractors. One of the right. defense contractors, and we were working on a project um, for the Middle East. My company was, and we just in in the pro in that process, we happened to stumble on, upon each other, and um, I remember you you had a. Uh, One of your bosses had worked for the uh, fingerprint database, I believe, uh, in Washington. And um, I remember his name, but I won't say it uh, because I don't know if he wants me to advertise that or not. But anyway, it was uh, – we we started comparing notes and realized that we were from the same area. We were from the Huntington area, Huntington, West Virginia. And um, then we also discovered that we liked each other, (laughs) (laughs) that
0: we got along okay.
1: Exactly, yeah. I think this guy's going to be all right. And then – we flew down to Florida. Uh, that was a different project, I think. That was a com- uh, Bergeau right. was the name of the software that was doing some work in the Middle East on uh, facial facial recognition or identity or something. Uh, Troy Tackow, I think, was the guy's name that we flew down and met with, and we weren't terribly impressed with that uh, uh, what we got accomplished on that trip. But we had fun. I remember that. it was a we, good trip. We had a good time. Yep. So uh, anyway, um, welcome. Patrick, I think the folks of Appalachia and the world were really going to enjoy hearing your story. Um, and I want to back up by saying, uh, I gave a talk one time at um, the President's Forum in Columbus, Ohio, about me. They asked me to come up there and speak. Matter of fact, I think you may have been in the I audience. I was there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And it was it was to speak to all these owners and presidents of businesses in that, area, that regional area. And the first thing I said when I got on, on the podium was, hey – I want to apologize up front if I sound boastful, like I'm bragging or patting myself on the back, because it's hard to, you're asking me these questions, it's hard to talk about your business or what you've done and sound humble. So I know you're a super humble guy, but talk a little bit about your experiences in life, um, your successes, and, and we'll all recognize that, you are a very humble guy. We're asking these questions, and, and we want we want to hear your story. Well, what I
0: can tell you is that I, I do remember the day you came up to Bridgeport. Uh, I had recently gotten out of the military. I had moved back to West Virginia. I was working for a defense contractor. Uh, and you were working on a project with us, I think, to do access control for somewhere in the Middle East. Yeah. And I can tell you, you, you may not realize this, but you coming up helped inspire me to f- continue to follow a dream that I had to come back to West Virginia and uh, to try to grow businesses, provide jobs and a place for people uh, to live and work. And at the time, I was, again, working for this big multi-billion dollar uh, defense contractor. And when I met you, a guy from Ironton, a guy that had been working for the government, that then went out and um, started his own company, made his own way uh, and was providing an impact to the community, uh, it was impactful for me because I realized that it could be done. And often in Appalachia, I think that we um, don't have role models. We don't have people that we can look at and say, I can do that too. If they're doing it, so can I. And your visit, uh, when you came up to see me, inspired me. Oh, cool. Uh, to, to continue to follow a dream that I had uh, and to get back to Huntington and to do my own thing. So I don't... I don't know that if we hadn't met, if I wouldn't have thought that I could do it as quickly as I ended up doing it.
1: That's, that means a lot, Patrick. Thanks for, thanks for those comments. Thanks for saying that. And, and I remember the first time that you came from Fairmont, West Virginia, to Ironton to visit our office. It wasn't very damn impressive. I think we had, our office was in a little shipping container that sat outside of a little portable toilet company that mm-hmm. I was trying to bring back to life at the time. But then you came in our office, and you started looking at our customer list, and you said, "Wow, you're doing business with Exxon. You're doing business with Duke Energy from the Charlotte, yeah. Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin. Yeah, seriously, from Ironton, from this little portable toilet company, it can be done. It can be done. I, I definitely remember that. I remember that conversation. Yeah. I was. Uh, it actually, it actually gave me a little self confidence that maybe, maybe we are accomplishing something here." I,
0: I think you did and it grew from there to multiple locations and you know went beyond just those big companies and went around the world
1: yeah. well yeah that so we've inspired each other patrick um sounds like yeah it sounds like uh, we are even <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know about that but i appreciate that it takes a village
1: patrick you've had a have a, <coughs> a long and varied career what's one of the more what is what is the most important lesson that you've learned
0: I don't know if it's the most important lesson, but one that immediately comes to mind is to bet on yourself. There are a lot of people um, that I think don't have the confidence to think they can do something on their own. And what I've kind of learned along the way is that if you're not willing to bet on yourself, no one else is going to bet on you. And so uh, that can be hard sometimes because I'm wrong a lot. I place bets on myself and ended up should have listened to someone else and (laughs) placed a bet on someone else. Uh, but it has been important because every time that I get into a situation that I think I don't know how to do this, I don't know who can do this, uh, I go back to the idea of well, I'm going to bet on myself, and if I fail, at least I have no one else to blame that but would, me.
1: Yeah, I think in a past in a past podcast we had a, had a similar question, and, and I was thinking about. I bet on myself often. My problem is, is I don't have enough self confidence. And but I found that incremental gains, in, incremental wins. I think I said this the last time we had a podcast. Incremental wins help you allow to gain more and more self confidence. And the best, the best teachers are failures, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had plenty of failures. Uh, I, I have, have too. I have too. So that's a great answer. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, bet on yourself. So Patrick, when I met you, you were in your mid twenties. Late twenties, something like that. If if you could, if you could turn back the hands of time, and give yourself advice at sixteen, seventeen years old, what would that advice be?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not sure my sixteen year old self would have listened to much that I had to say, <laughs> uh, but it's easy because I have a sixteen year old at home now, a son, and jo- Joseph. Joseph, uh, and I have a a thirteen year old Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Um, And the advice that I give my 16-year-old self is the same advice I give to them and probably the same advice I give to myself now, which Mm -hmm. is to dream bigger. I think that um, whenever I approached an issue at 16 or 18 or 36, it was the same thing, that I see problems, I think I have a solution, and almost inevitably I'm not thinking big enough. And that if you expand that problem to be a bigger problem or you know, span that solution to be a bigger solution. You can achieve so much more than you thought you could. And so my, my sons, I don't know, always appreciate the advice I give them. Uh, I give them a lot of short term advice about like waking up on time and doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, but the larger picture is to, is to 10 extra, your, your dreams.
1: All right. That's a, that's a good comment. 10 extra dreams, dream big, mm-hmm. swing for the bleachers. Love Why not? It. Patrick, you know, folks from all over the United States, all over the world. Um, uh, and i know- I know from all over Huntington because you've introduced me to a, quite a few of them uh who are who are one or two of the people that you you would say greatly impacted your career uh, uh, and your life in general
0: yeah i mean if you want to talk about impact, there's no doubt it starts with my parents uh, that's an easy answer let me give you one specifically to my career um i was in the I was in the air Force uh, for about ten years and I was thinking about <laughs> Staying in for a career or getting out and moving back to West Virginia. And my commander at the time was uh, a guy named Mark Kelly. Uh, his call sign was Grace, so they called him Grace Kelly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was, he was a, a great friend and confidant and leader. Um, I had flown with him some uh, in combat. I had worked with him in peacetime. And he was in a position to help influence what I was going to do in my next assignment. And as we were talking through the options, uh, I was just about to get married. I was finishing up uh, a graduate degree, uh, and it was time for me to move to a different base or a different part of my career, or I was eligible to get out of the Air Force um, and come back home. And as I was weighing the options, you know, what civilian life would look like, what military life would look like, he, he helped me kind of frame it in the idea of that in life, uh, it's like you're in a train station, and trains come and go right? And uh, if I was in the station and I could wait for the next train, maybe that was the the next military assignment, I should wait if I didn't like the train that was there. But if there was a train that was about to leave the station and I thought that it was going where I wanted to be, then I should probably uh, take it. I said, well, that's great, Grace, but how do I know if it's where I want to be? And he said, well, imagine yourself as as Grandpa Farrell. You know, there you are at 70, 80 years old, sitting on the porch, where are you, what are you doing, what are you looking at, and who's around you?
1: Wow.
0: And then if you start there and you work your backwards to where you are today, you'll know if that's the right train for you.
1: What a what a bit of advice.
0: What a bit of advice. Uh, Grace Kelly went on from being a lieutenant colonel to now he's a four-star general. And so, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I can see why. <laughs> I can see why, too. He, he had some uh, good advice that uh, ended up taking that train and coming back to West Virginia.
1: <laughs> okay, so you so you brought it up, I, and and I won't ask you to tell stories about about the Air Force, but my mom met you about fifteen years ago, and it was right after you'd gotten out of the Air Force, and yeah. and um, you you actually met on my patio, came out there for lunch or something. I don't remember. You you to at the house once or twice, right? But it was right after you'd gotten out of the uh, flying jets for the Air Force, and after you left, she said. And this is very appropriate because of, of the, the movie that's just recently come out, the uh, help me with the okay. the Top Gun movie. But she said, Does he try to look like Tom? Or <laughs> does he <laughs> she, she said she said, Does he try to look like Maverick or does he just look like Maverick? Yeah. She said, He is a really good looking young man <laughs> And I said, I don't think he tries, Mom, I think that's just Patrick. I've got a, I've got a face for radio. <laughs> What, what has been one of the most gratifying projects that you've seen uh, start to finish?
0: I don't know if I'd call it one project, right? But I'll tell you what's been most gratifying to me is I give a lot of advice to people um, that may be thinking about what to do for a career and where to spend their time. Maybe they're starting out uh, fresh, fresh from college. Maybe they're trying to make a transition from one job to the other. And the advice I typically give is that you can, there are three things you have to consider. You can live where you want. You can do a job that you want. You can make the money that you want. But it's very difficult to do all three at the highest level, at least when you're starting out. So you have to prioritize them. Uh, For me, when I was leaving the military, I ranked that of of living where I want. I wanted to be in West Virginia. I wanted to to get married and raise a family in West Virginia. So I ranked that number one. And then uh, from there, I wanted to do what I want. And then money uh, was the last piece. And so what's been gratifying for me um, is that through this journey, I now live where I want in Huntington, right? I have a job that I want, uh, which is as an entrepreneur and helping grow businesses and helping other people grow businesses. And then obviously the money ends up taking care of itself. And so the gratifying piece is that where I had originally prioritized those things, I'm now able to kind of achieve all of them at the same time
1: and help other people achieve it too. Patrick, what is your hope for future generations in Appalachia?
0: I obviously love Appalachia. Uh, and I had to leave uh, to go out and find my way in the world before I could come back. And I think my biggest hope for the future generations is that they don't have to leave. If they want to leave, that's great. Um, We should afford people those opportunities. But it would be great one day if folks that grew up here, that wanted to stay here, had an opportunity to to live and work in a place where they were a healthy environment, you know, good jobs, raise a family in a way that was gratifying uh, to them.
1: Oh, well, you're preaching to the choir there. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. You and I are, are of, the, of the same mindset when it comes to creating jobs here and allowing, allowing the folks of Appalachia to stay in the area that they love. Mm-hmm. Patrick, when you're, when you're in the rocking chair or you're in the casket, years, years and years and years from now, what do you hope folks remember Patrick Farrell? When, when you, what do you hope they remember about you and your legacy you've left?
0: You know, Rob, I think the truth of the matter is
1: uh, when I'm dead and gone,
0: no one's going to remember me, right? Uh, I, I don't think we remember too much about previous generations as much as we would like to think so. Uh, you know, my great-grandparents, I knew one of them, and, but I didn't really know her, right? And I doubt that I'm really going to know my great-grandkids. So I mean it when I say like, I don't think people are going to remember me. And I don't think too much about legacy and when I'm gone, what people are going to think about. What I do think about is what they think about me now, and um, I hope what people say about me now is, you know, I hope my parents say I'm a good son, that I'm a good brother, right? I hope they say that my wife says I'm a good husband. My kids say I'm a good dad. My, you know, guys at work that I work with say that I'm someone good to work with and the community thinks that I'm someone that can help add value to what we're trying to do. Uh, when I'm gone, it doesn't really matter, right? The only time we have is the time now. I want to make sure I use it uh, as best I can.
1: Uh, that's uh, those are those are great comments. Well, then then I and I must say you're you're a success because you are all, you're accomplishing all those things. I'm sure. I don't know how your kids feel about you, Dad, <laughs> but uh, but the rest of them I can tell you the community is fortunate to have you yeah. here. They think I tell bad jokes and I can't <laughs> dance or sing. The name of this podcast is my last name. What does your last name mean to you? What does, what does the last name Farrell mean to you? Well, it's obviously very important. I'm proud uh, of my family.
0: I, um, come from a, uh, a large family that does a lot in the community, right? My grandfather, my uncles, uh, and so the name is important, right? Um, but what's more important to me isn't the name, um, so much as being a part of a family, which doesn't always mean it's your last name, right? I, the truth of the matter is, Rob, I'm Warren Buffett, uh, quipped this once that he's part of the lucky sperm club right and um i feel the same way i was lucky to be born into the right country you know to the right parents at the right time uh to be able to do what i'm doing and so i really sincerely feel like i'm I'm very lucky to do that a lot of people aren't as lucky as me they'd be born into that and so when you think about the last name yes i'm proud fiercely proud of all the work that they're doing right i've got um a lot of family members that are making an impact in various parts of the of the world. Uh, but that doesn't have to be just based on the last name, right? And so I try to find ways to bring other people in uh, to that idea of what a family is, but what we should be doing, and it's not just centered on a name, but really on a mission uh, here in the community.
1: Well, the, the Farrell last name is well thought of in our community. No, there's no question. As a matter of fact, I was in uh, Jekyll Island, Georgia, earlier this year, and our next door neighbor down there is from West Virginia, Charleston. She's a judge, and she said, "I mentioned we were comparing notes on folks in West Virginia mm-hmm. when I when I when I mentioned Pat Farrell and the Farrell name. Her, her face lighted up, and she she just said." I know Judge Farrell. I know the Farrell. What a what a family! And uh, this lady is a very very solid, well thought of you know, judge from her from her state. So yes, I, I think the the Farrell family is uh, incredibly well thought of, and you are doing a good job on of carrying the the good name of the the good name of the last name. <laughs> thanks, Rob. Well, thanks for joining us, Patrick for for this last this recent most recent episode of my last name uh, i think we're uh, uh, i like the way we are like-minded in it we're trying to make appalachia a better place and a, a much essentially possibly change the image of appalachia we there are people that come here that, that accomplish great things and and encourage others to accomplish great things and,